You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, this is Tim Rice, and this is Get On To My Cloud, episode 11. In this week's edition of Get On To My Cloud, I thought I'd reminisce a little about the opening of Jesus Christ Superstar on Broadway back in 1971 which was my first brush with the epicenter of American theatre. At the time, Andrew Lloyd Webber and I hadn't even had any of our work performed in the West End of London, so our Broadway debut was perhaps an even more daunting experience than it would have been for most British playwrights and writers of musicals. A host of family, friends and fans descended upon Manhattan for the Broadway debut of Jesus Christ Superstar. Our manager, the late great David Land, had chartered a plane for the bulk of the supporters club, and two days before the scheduled opening, 200-plus of our nearest and dearest, investors, UK critics, gossip columnists, and assorted hangers-on were wandering around New York, eagerly anticipating what the show's producer, Robert Stigwood, had promised would be the opening night of opening nights and the party of parties on the 12th of October, 1971. Among the sightseers was my entire close family, parents, brothers and grandmother, the latter making her first trip to America at the age of 81. She was born 13 years before the Wright brothers first made a flight. I had, of course, arrived in New York sometime before our English fan club, although not that much before, and I'd seen a couple of previews. I wasn't sure that I liked what I'd seen, but frankly, I didn't really know what I thought. It did seem a bit of a mess in places, but I realised that in the frantic days before any first night, panics and disasters abound, and Superstar had more than its share. Three previews had to be cancelled at the loss of $36,000 to the box office because of problems with radio mics on stage, then gadgets in their infancy. The mics kept picking up alien signals such as police radios or taxis, and, deliberately or otherwise, the clearest sound always seemed to emanate from an actor wired for sound when he or she was off stage, more often than not in the lavatory. 
In the end, they were nearly all ditched, the mics, not the actors, and hand microphones installed in their place, the leads disguised rather feebly with leafy decor, which at times gave the impression that the action was taking place in the Garden of Eden rather than in Jerusalem. The complexities of the director Tom O'Horgan's sets caused further problems. I've learned over the years that sets are often responsible for a significant proportion of any new show's teething troubles, and I've become convinced that costumes and lighting, both items usually a tenth of the hassle of scenery and furniture, can often do as much for the visual aspects of a show as can the physical hardware of sets. This is not to deny that I've been superbly served by great set designers over the years, notably Bob Crowley with Aida and Tim O'Brien and Tosina Firth with Evita. Our leading performers in Superstar on Broadway were Jeff Fentholt as Jesus, Ben Vereen as Judas, Yvonne Elliman as Mary Magdalene and Barry Denon as Pontius Pilate. Yvonne and Barry had appeared on the original studio album, which was released in late 1970, and had been a hugely successful album in the US throughout 1971, hence the Broadway show. The album had not made a major impact in our homeland. Here are Yvonne, Ben and Jeff, as per the Broadway cast album, singing Everything's Alright, a song which always makes me think of Dave Brubeck, not because the melody owes anything to Take Five, but because Brubeck's massive hit of that name back in 1961 was my first awareness of the wonderful, seductive and irresistible rhythm of 5-4 time. Sure, 
Surely you're not saying we have the resources to save the poor from their lives. There will be poor always pathetically struggling. Look at the good things you've got. Think while you still have me, move while you still see me. You'll be lost, you'll be so sorry. Another problem Superstar on Broadway had to cope with, although in the end it was probably an asset, was that of various professional, and some amateur, protesters. These were almost exclusively complaining about the content of the show, i.e. the lyrics. I did not know whether to be flattered or frightened by this. First into the ring was Rabbi Mark H. Tannenbaum, representing the American Jewish Committee. They had compiled a hefty document which concluded that the show, quote, unambiguously lays the primary responsibility for Jesus' suffering and crucifixion to the Jewish priesthood, unquote, and found evidence of anti-Semitism in almost every line. Rabbi Tannenbaum was remarkably available for radio and TV interviews and cropped up all over the shop in the days before the opening. I agreed to go on to one television program to defend the work, a strange semi-chat show compared by Leonard Nimoy, Dr. Spock in Star Trek, for this chat show, he did not sport Spock's ears, but he did read rather a lot of his poetry, perhaps not his forte, or even his thirte. Be that as it may, during the brief exchanges Tannenbaum and I were allowed, I made a fair fist of establishing my anti-anti-Semitic credentials, including quoting my extremely positive pro-Israel lyric from Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, Close Every Door, and pointing out that as both victim and some of his oppressors in our show were Jewish, it was illogical to argue that we were siding with the bad guys. I never got into the more complex points that our Jesus just like the Bible's Jesus, had plenty of opportunity to avoid his earthly fate, but accepted what he felt to be his destiny. In other words, he was largely responsible for his own mortal end. Neither did I get the chance to point out, cliche though it be, that many of my best friends, many involved with this production, were Jewish. We also got it in the neck from activists for the casting of the African-American actor Ben Vereen as Judas, despite the fact that in the show Judas is not remotely portrayed as an unthinking figure of pure evil, as many would have him portrayed. Ben, of course, won the part thanks to his outstanding talent, as his long and distinguished subsequent career emphasised. 
On the opening night itself, a motley collection of placard-carrying religious enthusiasts picketed the theatre, but as most of them loudly denied ever having soiled themselves by listening to the album or attending a preview, their campaign lacked a certain amount of authority. Many critics, both before and after the opening of Superstar, compared us, usually unfavourably, with Godspell, the other, quote, Jesus musical that appeared at the time, which endeared itself to the media by virtue of the fact that it was small and unpretentious, whereas we were a massive overblown hype. When we first heard about this John Michael Tebelak Stephen Schwartz show, which had opened off-Broadway back in May, we were extremely worried. Robert Stigwood and his legal beagles had been chasing bootleg productions of Superstar all over America ever since the studio album went to the top of the charts at the beginning of 1971. And it seemed that this was yet another outfit from nowhere ripping off our idea. Only this lot would be impossible to deal with along the lines of other bootleggers because they'd had the wit to write a completely new piece around a story that not even Robert's lawyers could claim was our copyright. Andrew and I sneaked in to see Godspell, and our worries were quickly laid to rest. The show bore no resemblance at all to ours. It was a modest show, just a dozen actors and a small rock band which portrays Jesus as the Son of God, albeit dressed as a circus clown. Furthermore, we enjoyed it very much. In the end, the presence and success of two Jesus rock musicals was a huge help to both shows. Commentators and critics were able to ramble on about a trend, which meant that most people who went to see one then felt obliged to see the other to get the full picture. In reality, as far as we knew, the simultaneous creation of both shows was nothing more than a coincidence. David Land's Philosophical Gem Number 7, which states that where there's room for one hamburger bar, there's room for two, was proved right. Back to our Broadway show. Here is the wonderful Barry Denton as Pontius Pilate, with Pilot's Dream. I dreamed I met a Galilean A most amazing man He had that look You very rarely find The haunting, hunted kind I asked him to say what had happened How it all began I asked again He never said a word As if he hadn't heard And next the room was full Of wild and angry men They seemed to hate this man they fell on him and then disappeared again. Then I saw thousands of millions crying for this man. And then I heard them mentioning my name and leaving the blame. I miss Barry Denon, who died in 2017. I was so pleased to be present at a concert of Superstar in Rotterdam, in which Barry performed Pilot's Dream for the very last time, a few months before he died. He did not play Pilot in the actual show that night, but came on as an encore with Yvonne Elliman, 
who sang I Don't Know How to Love Him, and they entranced an arena of 9,000 souls, plus me and the wings. Incidentally, apart from adding his great talent to the original album, to the Broadway show, and to the 1973 movie, it was Barry who introduced the Superstar album to Norman Jewison when he was working with Norman in Israel on the movie of Fiddler on the Roof. This was before the studio album had even been released, let alone been a hit. As a result, Norman, I'm glad to say, eventually directed the 1973 film version of Superstar. Thank you, Barry. Back to Broadway. What of the show itself? Well, it wasn't perfect. Tom O'Horgan's production was never seen again outside Broadway, unusual for a hit show, for although it never even ran for two years at the Mark Hellinger, Superstar was technically a hit, in that the investors got their money back. Just. O'Horgan did restage the work himself in the summer of 1972 in Los Angeles, where his excesses found a more sympathetic setting in the new Universal Studios Amphitheater, a 4,000-seater outdoor venue overlooking the San Fernando Valley. Mountains, the sunset, and the Pacific Ocean were backdrops to match the director's extravagance, and the second attempt won considerably more critical praise than had his first. The Broadway show contained some dazzling, often vulgar, special effects, to which I would concede our material lent itself rather easily. It was, after all, basically a contemporary rock score which had a considerable built-in shock quotient. But too often, the spectacle overwhelmed the actors and the songs, so their emotional and dramatic power, which our virtually effects-free official pre-New York concert tour had surprisingly delivered, was all but absent on the overcrowded Broadway stage. During the overture, a silver chalice rose from the depths and eventually fell open like a flower to reveal Jesus high above the stage. When Judas sang Superstar towards the climax, Jesus was raised again with a huge golden coat falling from his shoulders to envelop a large part of the playing area. A massive green head disgorged King Herod, relaxing in a pink shell. A vast plastic box of stars hovered above Jesus during Gethsemane, and Judas's death by hanging was a drawn-out, twitching trip to the skies that must have worried the show's insurers, as well as Ben Vereen's loved ones. The first act ended with the floor rising up to become a wall, separating Judas, who had just betrayed Jesus to the high priests, from the rest of humanity. The costumes for the authority figures of the piece were particularly unrestrained, with hideous platform shoes and towering helmets as much a lumber for the actors as were their hand microphones. Colours, however, were not vivid. Browns and mauves, faded greens and wash blues stick in my mind. A welcome shot of subtlety amid the brash mechanics. The cast were uniformly excellent, and when the sound system wasn't playing up, most of the lyrics and textures of orchestration got through. I don't know how to love him always hit home, as Yvonne's lovely voice and poise provided all the spectacle that song needed. But this was 1971, still the stone age of amplification on Broadway. It was loud, and the bulk of the audience had never been to a rock concert. The younger element, whose ears had been raised on rock, rarely ventured into legitimate New York theatre. The oldies didn't get it, or couldn't take it, and the kids didn't go. So after 711 performances, Robert threw in the towel. Looking back, I feel that Tom O'Horgan and his superstar might have got rather a bad deal. Every time I recall an aspect of his extravaganza these days, it seems strange that I had reservations about it at the time, but 
I did. I guess I was almost as resistant to innovation as the Broadway regulars were. Impossible to bring about, but I would love to see an exact replica of his production today with all the technical advances in sound and sets available. It was beyond doubt ahead of its time, both in its conceit and in its actual staging. Robin Wagner, Sets, and Jules Fisher lighting barely put a truck or a bulb wrong, even if sometimes the mechanics hampered their contributions. Though Tom O'Horgan never again directed a show that made any great impact, through Hair and Jesus Christ Superstar alone, he is entitled to be considered an important figure of the 20th century musical. These two shows were nothing if not mold-breakers, and began the process of dragging Broadway into a new era of music. I was very pleased to note that Lin-Manuel Miranda has often cited Superstar and Evita as important influences for his sensationally brilliant 21st century musical, Hamilton. At the time, I didn't really think the Broadway production of Superstar had done the work justice, and neither did Andrew. He minded much more than I did, which is undoubtedly the more praiseworthy and understandable writer's reaction. I found it fairly easy to shrug off the disappointment, with the thought that we'd had an amazing year and had already achieved more than I'd ever dreamed we could have done. That sounds rather flippant, but I'm afraid it was the truth. Most of our fans from England felt that the show was not quite what they'd hoped for, whatever that was, but for many, the whole razzmatazz of the week in New York more than compensated. The opening night party at the Tavern on the Green in the middle of Central Park was a hoot, even more exotic than the show itself. Heavy rock dudes and drag queens mixed with slightly bewildered black-tie traditional first-nighters there was a fair smattering of American celebrities, few of whom meant anything to the British delegation. By the time the mainly dodgy reviews came in, the party was going great guns, and not even the New York Times could deflate the atmosphere. To close this brief look at our first venture onto Broadway, I'd like to play one of the best things that came out of that show. We decided that Mary Magdalene should not disappear from the piece halfway through, as she did on the original record and we did not want the wonderful Yvonne Elliman sitting in her dressing room all the way through Act 2, getting up to goodness knows what. So Andrew and I therefore wrote a new song for her, which, needless to say, she performed impeccably, in tandem with Michael Jason as Peter. The song is now included in every production of Superstar, and it's called Could We Start Again, Please? What do I do now? Could we start again, please? I've been very hopeful so far. Now for the first time I think we're going wrong. Hurry up and tell me this is just a dream. To get the message home Before it gets too frightening We ought to call the hall So could we start again, please? I've been living to 
Onto My Cloud, written and presented by Tim Rice and produced by Peter Holmes. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, 
sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.